The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management, along with Gary Hogan. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all today. Good morning, Scott. Scott. Good morning, Gary. So a lot of chatter in the last little while, uh, not only about inflation and and interest rates going up, but just also the volatility in the stock market in the last little while. What's that all about? Yeah, volatility is an understatement, Scott. It's, you know, take Monday as an example. The stock market and the NASDAQ, which is the technology stocks, but even the Dow and the the Toronto markets, they were down substantially. Like the NASDAQ was down over 5%, three quarters of the way through the day. Like 5%, that's a huge drop in a day. It ended the day positive. Hmm. Okay. So if you didn't actually look at it during the day, say, oh, I guess it had an okay day. Not knowing the volatility. That's just one day. So we're, you know, this is, the stock market can be volatile at times. And on top of that, we're talking about interest rates. Interest rates have been creeping up. It wasn't long ago, you're getting 1.7% for a five-year mortgage. Now they're, you know, I just talked to a client, they're offered 284 and mm. inflation is is topical right now. There's so many things that are kind of like on top, you know, edging people, like just under people's skin a bit. And, you know, I know Gary's done a little bit of work in, in getting some um, discussion about the interest rates right now. But I think it's important to know volatility is short run, and but you do have to plan for it. And Gary, I know you've done, uh, like I said, uh, worked a little bit on the interest rates right now. Yeah, you know, I, I think the uh, certainly the economy in general, uh, has a lot of uh, question marks right now because there, there, there is conflicting information, I think, out there uh, about how well we're doing um, or not doing in some cases. And so um, I just wanted to uh, cover off a few things. And, you know, interestingly enough, too, Scott and Don, uh, when, uh, when things, when we know things are extremely topical, that's typically when, you know, the, the Bloomberg's and the Angus Reeds and, and other, other, uh, organizations and companies, uh, put out surveys to, to fuel the fire, if you will, a little bit more to, uh, be able to put some numbers together and report out to, uh, to people, you know, what the risk, what the general consensus is, uh, again, based on whatever the, the study sample is. So uh, there, just to begin with, there was a, there was a Bloomberg poll that, that uh, very recently that, that found a majority of households indicated that, that they would be hurt by higher borrowing costs. Now that, you know, that's a pretty obvious statement, um, but we're much more concerned about the rising cost of living specifically. So, uh, you know, that's, a, that's something that, that is interesting. Um, 87% uh, felt that way. Well, close to 10% felt that that borrowing costs were, were the, the bigger issue for them. So presumably those would be the people who have, you know, more significant uh, debt. Uh, given that the survey clearly illustrated that there, there's increasing anxiety due to inflation, you know, we can expect the Bank of Canada and we know where, you know, where this week uh, will have been a very interesting week to see if we experience that that first rate hike that there has been so much uh, discussion about. Uh, the survey also suggested that, and again, this is Bloomberg, the survey also suggested that there might be some public support for higher interest rates, understanding how important that is relative to 
trying to counteract inflation. Um, and that's, you know, despite the fact that the average household debt just continues to increase. You know, we, we heard a lot during, uh, you know, during the, uh, the last couple of years now, almost two years, about how a lot of people had surplus money that they were spending or, or, or saving because they, you know, because of COVID, because of lifestyle changes and so on. But sometimes we forget about the people who are, who are struggling and we forget about the people who weren't able to work and so on. And so obviously, um, you know, for those people, uh, you know, there's, there's a great deal of, of concern. Now, um, an Angus Reid survey found that two in five people said that they're worse off now than just one year ago. And uh, with the cost of living rising, the number of people finding it difficult to feed their family has risen from 36% to 57% just in 2022. Now, mm. and we're just into the year. Now, we know that surveys, uh, we have to be careful because they're, you know, we have to understand what the sample sizes are and so on and how questions are worded. But that's a, that's a very significant increase, 36% to, to 57%. Now, you know, generally speaking, uh, what, the what the Angus Reid study found is that 24% were optimistic that their finances will improve over the next 12 months. Well, 29%, so a greater number, think that they will, they will worsen. 24% uh, indicate that debt is a major source of stress, while 42 consider uh, debt as a, as a more minor concern. Now, age group-wise, in terms of, uh, of how different age groups feel, the, the Angus Reid study suggested that the 35-year-olds to 54-year-old age group has more than one-third who say they're struggling, with 25% of those over 55, so a lesser number for those over 55, which, which I think makes sense compared to one-fifth under the age of 35. So a very small percent, relatively speaking, for those under 35. And, you know, there, granted, there could be a lot of generational and life stage reasons for these, these numbers. Uh, people between 35 and 54 are usually uh, people who, are, uh, who have incurred more debt, um, affected by job situations, et cetera. So uh, saving, you know, saving for or trying to put money away for, for various uh, things, trying to get their mortgages paid off and so on. And, and now, even for that matter, Gary, you see yeah. that is almost like the prime group for that first or second home, that upbeat where yes. people have moved up in these markets. So they've taken, as you mentioned, I've taken on a, a lot more debt. And, you know, with interest rates lower at the time, they said, well, they're looking at the payment per month. But boy, what happens if when that mortgage comes up for renewal? Yeah, exactly. And we know we know what the impact can be with just a you know even even a couple of percentage point increases, and uh, you know that that can make a dramatic uh, change. And and let's face it too, we know that the lenders over the past many years, even even with stress testing and 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 becoming more uh, more strict about about where and how they're lending money, uh, we know that that lending is is an opportunity to make money and so a lot of people have uh have overextended themselves basically in terms of if there was any impact on their income uh that could make a dramatic shift or if interest rates jumped up enough that could also create problems so there was a, another report that came out just this past week that also suggested that that confidence in meeting everyday expenses and reducing debt 
has been negatively impacted already just since January 1st. This was a, this was a study that was just done uh, literally last, uh, the results were assembled last week. Already here we are, you know, January 24th and, and those numbers have been, uh, have been tracked. Uh, in, in that particular survey, 45% said that they're not confident they can cover their living expenses. So that's a common theme for this year. Well, 43% are concerned about their level of debt. And, and both concerns, both debt and, uh, and covering expenses are, are each up 5% just since January 1st over wow. last year. Well, a lot of that could be the fact that we've been locked down since that point in time. And that doesn't, that doesn't bode well with just the mental health. And, and yeah. you got a lot more time to think about these type of things too. Especially, yeah, especially when uh, we remember what the holiday season was like. And at the beginning of December, we were waiting for, you know, a remotely normal holiday and then boom, yes. Omicron hit. And from mid-December right through January, it's been some pretty, pretty sad times for some people. Yeah. What, what a difference a week or so meant at yeah. that time, right? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Incredible. You know, uh, here we are almost two years into the pandemic, as I mentioned earlier, and, and financial confidence has reached a record low. And, and, you know, this, this growing sense of financial stress, uh, pandemic fatigue, uh, rising inflation, which is so topical right now, and, uh, and the cusp of, of interest rate increases, which we know are coming, uh, have all contributed to the need for sound financial advice. And I guess that's at the end of the day, uh, you know, we sing that song all the time because we know that everyone needs sound financial planning advice. But probably never more so than times like this, where it's very easy to do the wrong thing at the wrong time, because sometimes there's a tendency to rationalize our way out of problematic circumstances. Uh, you know, increased concerns regarding managing uh, financially through unexpected expenses. like And now, you know, this is also very topical, a loss of job or even restructuring of a job, uh, intermittent work, and a lot of people are, are experiencing that because of, of the COVID situation. Um, illness, you know, which is, which is an ongoing thing when that happens, that, that creates a lot of, a lot of concerns. Um, so a lot of things have changed in the past couple of uh, the, the, literally the last few weeks. With respect to debt uh, or the debt burden, 45% regret the amount of debt that they have taken on. You know, that's a really good point, Gary, because, so you mentioned earlier about rationalizing. How many things do we purchase? And it's like buyer's remorse after. You know, it, it money is, is purchases are so emotional. They're generally not just sought through, saying working out exactly what I can afford. Here's how we're going. I sat down with my financial planner. We worked out. Here's what we can afford, and so forth. It, it's not like that. Most yeah. purchases are. You know what? I love that kitchen. Let's buy that house. And <laughs> and, and and I think it's in our. You know, it's it's within our parameters of what we can afford, and that thinking is often not the case. So, yeah, financial planning can add take away some so much of this post purchase stress. Yeah, and you know what's what's really interesting too is is the fact that you know we we make decisions in certain environments in certain situations, and as you said, Don, we 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 you know time happens, circumstances change. And we wish that we hadn't done certain things. Perfect examples of that is, you know, for the past many years, uh, all the renovations that people have done in their homes, opening everything up, open concept, open concept, COVID hits, what happens? <laughs> I need walls. <laughs> I need walls. And then, and then you've got, then you've got people that, um, that are selling their, you know, living and working in Toronto, say, for example, or the Toronto area. 
uh, selling their homes, making you know making a lot of profit, moving to other places like Hamilton. We've that's what's that's what spurred our market, of course, to a great extent. And now they're here, and and will they stay? Is this you know will people remain where they've moved to? Because a lot of knee jerk reactions have taken place, all because of of COVID. So you know we'll just have to see and let things unfold over time and uh, and, and see what happens there. So I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to talk uh, about inflation just for a moment, um, and then I'm going to uh, pick up on that uh, a little later on in the show. But uh, I just wanted to mention that the the Canadian consumer price inflation paced uh, raced forward I, sh- I should say at the highest level since 1991. So inflation is moving forward at a faster level than it has since 1991, which is which is astounding. And that was our uh, that was one of the greatest recessions at that time. Property values took a hit and so forth. So again, you can understand the stress. Like you said, no time greater than having a financial plan than right now. You bet. Yes. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at 905-972-7420 at IG Private Wealth Management. Talking about retirement and underliving, and I guess the pandemic plays into a bit of that, doesn't it? Or does absolutely. It? Yeah, absolutely, Scott. No question. And again, just piggybacking on what Gary says, just the uncertainty of so many things makes you underlive. You know, there's so many what ifs. You know, what if the market goes down? What if inflation creeps up? What, you know, there, you know, what when my mortgage news or if I have debt, what interest rate will I be paying? You know, a year from now. And there's so many uncertainties. So it's it's amazing how many you know retirees, you know, have been looking forward to this retirement all their life, and then they finally get there and they underlive. And you can, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like you take a look at the markets and how they've gone up and down. And in fact, even in intraday trading, how much they've gone down. But even year to date, you know, the stock market so far, the Toronto market is down about four to five percent year to date. The, Toronto, the uh, you know, U.S. is down somewhere between nine and ten. NASDAQ, which is the technology stocks, which are all the darlings before and everybody had to jump on those. We're down about 14 percent. Interestingly enough, though, Europe is about even so far. And again, this is, comes back down to diversification. You know, so many people say, wow, I got to get in on that U.S. growth area, which is mainly the NASDAQ, and it's also the most volatile. But when they see it go up 30% in a year in their European area, which was only about 7 or 8% last year, oh, I got to get out of that dog. I'm going to go into this. And that is truly, um, you know, the, the greed factor. We're, it's in our DNA not to do well from an, from an investment standpoint. It truly is. We're not wired to do well. We, 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 we want to get the best returns, which means jumping in lanes on the highway. You know, that lane slows. So I'm going to go get out of this lane and go into the next lane just in time to see the brake lights hit and the lane you're in start to take off. So, you know, and, and volatility of the markets do affect withdrawals. So first of all, 
the retirement income planning process is truly a process. We, you know, you have to work out, you know, what are your expenses? Okay. It, it, it seems, yeah, it's not, this isn't rocket science, but it, it does take some work to find out really, truly, what are your expenses? Because I find most people, when we go through what we call a PFR, personal financial review, they often have an idea what they're spending. But when we go through it and you add in gifts, you add in, you know, hair, you add in your vet bills. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And and Kojiko or even those ones that sneak up, you, up on you, like the Netflix and the Disney Plus that are kind of just coming out of your account every month. You forgot about them. So S, we get that down to a fairly good degree. And then you say, OK, what pensions are coming in? If you got Canada Pension Plan or OAS and maybe even a private pension, what is your income gap? How much more do you need? And then from there, you can work out what is the withdrawal rate from my investments. So you take a look at how much money you have invested and what percentage do I have to take out each year from those investments? That's key, extremely important. Then you say, okay, how stable is this income? You know, if you're, if you're investing 100% in equities, well, that's pretty volatile. Can you count on that every, every year to, to uh, make that lifestyle that you, you want to have? And then you, again, comes down to the appropriate product and planning alternatives. How much should you have in fixed income? Interesting enough, fixed income is the so-called safe area. And I know we had Scott on last, uh, last week, Scott Clues-Hunt, our uh, security specialist. It was a negative return. So here you're being so safe, yet you're negative last year and you're watching the markets rocket and you're in something actually went down, but you're being safe. So really, is that safe? Again, it comes down to diversification. So then from all this, you, retire, you calculate your retirement income. And this is not just a one-off. You have to do this time and time again. This is why a financial plan isn't like, okay, I hope that works out for you. See you in 30 years. Good luck. No, this is an annual thing. You make sure you're, you're monitor, monitoring this because, you know, case in point with what Gary was just mentioning, there's so much change. Things are changing even in the month so much has changed, never mind on a year-by-year basis. So this is a extremely important to continually monitor this. Don, do you, do you find that, that some people focus more on, on their, their so-called budget than their actual expenditures like they they because you mentioned earlier about not tracking certain things because they're they're not perhaps they're not monthly expenses or whatever Um, do you find that that a lot of people work from a budget um, which really doesn't doesn't help yeah it doesn't you're absolutely right you know it's kind of interesting (laughs) they look at the must-haves like the things you have to spend money on rather than the real fun ones like vacations entertainment you know getting uh, that nice bottle of wine what have you and and that may not actually be in the budget. They often look, well, here's all my bills. And they're very organized on the bill side, but they don't factor in the fun side. And I'm a big believer in maximizing fun. Like, what, why the heck would you want to put all this money away, which is really delaying gratification? That's what saving is. So you're putting yeah. off fun for all these years just so that you can limit yourself for fun later. Makes no sense to me. But you need a plan so that you don't feel stressed. So, and again, so you look at the key retirement goals that, generally speaking, retirees have longevity is one. They want to make sure they don't run out of money, which is, again, a stress. Inflation, as Gary just mentioned, maintaining your lifestyle year after year. If it's up 5%, that's a major impact. If you spent 30000 last year, it just went up $1,500 in the last year. Is your income going to match that? Um, asset allocation, protecting your assets. How do you like these fluctuations? You can see why people underlive here. And the withdrawal rates, you know, making sure it, it works in the long run. And this is where we have to take that long-term view. 
again, right now, topical and on everybody's mind is just staying healthy, particularly as you get older, which again, you come to that crossroads. Okay, I'm 80 some odd years old now. Um, how, how much longer am I going to live? And, and do I want to live this way under COVID? It's, it's a stress on that on, on top of everything else. Mm. And then your legacy. You know, how much money do you want to leave to the kids? How much do you want to leave to charities? You know, um, should you form trust? And again, having a tax prepared will. So Canadians are living longer. And I, I know we've mentioned this many times in the show, but generally speaking, a married couple, one member of that couple will live beyond the age of 90. So you, if you retire at 60, you have to have a 30-year plan. And that's, that's right now. Like, who's to say as we get older? That, as we mentioned many times, they don't even put on the paper on the front page people that live to 100 anymore. That yeah. used to be big news. So inflation really does play a role on how long your money can last in living at that lifestyle. And we've talked about, um, you know, the sequence of returns and your, that can make a big a big difference. And it's interesting, it's not all rate of return. You can't simply say, okay, this investment did seven and this one did five, I'll be better off with the seven percenter. Well, not necessarily. It's, it's, it's so different. Yes, if you're adding monthly, investing every month and accumulating money, absolutely, that's the way to go because now you're buying shares when they're cheap um, and, and a lot more shares when they're cheaper and you're buying less when they're expensive. The exact opposite happens when you retire. You're actually selling more when they're when the price goes down and the exact opposite you should be doing so it's reverse dollar cost averaging and this is why you have to look at the volatility of the investments at a far greater eye than simply the returns in fact your seven percenter could actually run out quicker than your five percent investments simply based on volatility and i've gone through the math i actually didn't believe this i actually had to go through the math myself to see this and, and it literally went two different asset classes it was interesting this more stable one lasted longer because because you did you, it was more predictable mm-hmm. the old so, standard deviation right don just absolutely sure that's factored in yeah and, and it's one area that i would suggest most people don't take into account there of their plan is the volatility of, of their investments and again this is why fixed income should be part of your portfolio don't get caught up in and simply, okay, the equity markets are where to go. You should have a, something to, to make sure that during recession years where the markets are down, that you're not selling too much. And so, but bonds at the same time should be there. But it's interesting. If you look at the 4% rule, it really does work. We've looked at this 45-year chart here going right to uh, uh, 2015. And again, I know things could change. But if you had a mix of 30% Canadian, 15% US, 15% in Europe, and 40% in bonds, and I, you know, things have changed since the 70s too, and I would suggest, okay, maybe you want to have a little less in bonds with interest rates lower, but, and you index that by 2% inflation, which seemed pretty, <laughs> pretty normal about a year ago. Now we're looking at 5% inflation. Well, and again, this is a big factor, but if you had a 4% per taking you know, withdrawal rate, you would never run out of money. In fact, your $500,000 would actually grow to about $3 million over those years. And you'd never run out of money. A 5% withdrawal rate, it's a, it would grow to about oh, a million and a half. So you still never run out of money, which allows you to actually make some greater purchases along the way. And this is including inflation. You are upping your payment per year by inflation. Interesting enough, as soon as you hit 6%, 
it runs out after 40 years, which isn't a high, you know, it's a, it's a significant withdrawal rate. And if you hit 7%, it runs out in 25 years. And so what happens is it's a slippery slope. And I had, I've had had a discussion with clients. One was suggesting he wanted a 7% withdrawal rate. And I said, you know what, the odds aren't in your favor if you, if you start that way. You know, if we hit one bad year, not only are you pulling out 7%, but let's say it goes down 10%. So now you're down 17% is what you've in your portfolio one year. And then it, there's not enough money to recover. So it's a, it's a big deal. And our job really is to kind of alleviate stress and make sure that you can afford the lifestyle. But again, once we have this in place, make sure you live it. Enjoy your life. That's what the money's for. It, teachers and police officers and, and municipal workers and hospital workers, et cetera, all have these pensions. You know, that's almost like fun money. They get this pension every month. They don't have to worry about asset allocation. They get it indexed in a lot of cases. And, and it, they just check comes in. No stress. Well, I can't say having a financial plan will do that for you, but it'll go a long ways to get you somewhere towards that of having less stress. So I'm going to change gears here for a sec. Um, having a will is another thing that should relieve your stuff. It should be in your to-do box. So just checking off that to-do will, will help you. But I had a, a situation where, and this is fairly common, where a blended family, um, you know, the husband had two kids from previous relationship and the wife had two kids from theirs. And they, you know, they've been together now for a while and they decide, you know what, let's just sell our two houses and move in together. And this is where a will, they, they had their wills done, but, and it was well done. You know, his went to his two kids and hers went to her two kids. But what happens is, and I just want to kind of, you know, buyer beware kind of thing is when you see a lawyer and if you're in a blended family relationship, Go and ask him about tenants in common versus joint tenancy. I can't stress this enough because the default is joint tenancy. And that does not go through your will. So I happened to be in the car and a, a good friend of mine, um, second family, and, and he mentioned this exact situation. I said, I, have you already spoken to your lawyer about tenants in common? And he says, no, what's that? And uh, then I, I got his, his common law spouse on the line and we discussed this and says you know what if 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 she were to pass away automatically the house owns to the to the husband in this case and vice versa if he dies it goes to her and the kids may not ever see the money there and so it's so important to have those funds go through the will and if you are going to get tenants in common it shouldn't be you know make it nice at least like allow the person to live there for say six months um and they can buy out the other you know the estate or they can sell the house. It shouldn't be that cutthroat, but at the same time, be very careful. So having a properly drafted will is important, but also your biggest asset is often your house. So make sure that that is done properly too. Um, on top of that, do you need a trust? Maybe, maybe not. So at, at the end of the day, having a, a, a good financial planner can really make a difference in a person's life. So there's a the little questionnaire here for you and, and kind of just think back. Okay, is this, I'm going to ask six quick questions, 16 quick questions and see how you do. I hear from an advisor once a year or more every year. Number one. Okay, just say yes, no on all these questions. I get a response to my calls within 24 hours or emails. I've talked about guaranteed retirement income options beyond CPP and OAS. My advisor asked me questions 
about life goals and aspirations and things we actually just talked about just now. I have a copy of a written financial plan and is updated often. And this could be also, you know, something sent via email. But again, it doesn't have to be like a hard copy, but it could be even a website that we offer. If you're in a relationship, both partners' views have been addressed. My advisor tries to help me improve my financial habits. Yes, no. My advisor covers matters beyond investments like debts, taxes, insurance, estate planning, health, healthcare, you know, you name it. I have a clear understanding of, of what I have in my portfolio and why. I've maximized all income splitting and tax deferral opportunities. My advisor has clearly explained the cost of ownership of my investments. This is key. My advisor is a CFP, a certified financial planner. I think that one should be rated like three or four questions right there. Uh, my advisor understands my tolerance for losing money because we've talked about it, and especially with the volatility we've gone through. I have a current will and power of attorney. My advisor is a simplifier. I come out of interactions with greater clarity and I am confident my savings will last through retirement and even with market volatility, basically I will not underlive. So total up your yeses and nos. If you answered 14 to 16, you've got an excellent advisor and definitely it's a keeper. Keep that one, okay? If there's a 10 to 13, there's room for improvement. And you may want to actually ask your advisor, okay, here's areas I'm a little concerned about. Um, you know, what do you think? Um, if you answer seven to nine, time for a second opinion. Okay. And if it's less than six, run to a new advisor and quick. Okay. Mm. <laughs> There's a test for the day. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. Or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here along with Gary Hogan from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to touch on inflation again here, Gary. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are talking about this now. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's something that we we haven't discussed in years really at, at any great length. We discussed it as a possibility or, or looking at different scenarios for the long run, but uh, it really hasn't been uh, been on the front burner for for most people. So last month, uh, last month inflation was pegged at four point eight percent, and so that's for December and November was four point seven percent. This is this is what's really important to to I think be aware of. It's averaged 1.8 percent, 1.8 percent since the 1990s per year. Wow! So that's that's a pretty dramatic shift, and it's in, anticipated now that there may be as many as six interest rate increases over the next 12 months. There's been a lot printed about that. There's been a lot in the news that the Bank of Canada is is considering that or, or projecting that that may be the case. A lot of analysts in the industry, in the financial industry, have have certainly pegged that as uh, as an expectation, and that you know that uh, again, when you think about increases of uh, perhaps a quarter of one percent per, well, we could be looking at one point seven five 
percent as the as the bank rate. So um, you know that that's that's quite a shift. Now there, there's currently many factors that support the uh, you know the the situation that we find ourselves in now. Obviously, we've had a we've had a very hot economy, and I qualify that as I did earlier by saying not everybody's experiencing that. But the economy in general has been very strong. Uh, we have we have widespread labor shortages. You know, when you you look around at at, at all the ads that we see for various uh, job openings, it's uh, it's quite significant. We as as we've talked about, we have record inflation. Uh, ex, well, we have record inflation right now, but we have we have significant uh, inflation expectations over the next uh, year or so. We have we have strong demand and we have reduced supply, which certainly contributes to that. You know, I, I, I think we all probably saw a little bit over the weekend about all the truckers who are caravanning to, uh, to Ottawa to protest. Um, I, I also saw that uh, the highway was being clogged up uh, entering Nova Scotia from New Brunswick. You know, there's, there, there's a lot of issues there and, and you know, especially smaller uh, grocery stores that are experiencing uh, a severe lack of, of uh, product. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a good situation. Now, the, the central bank rate was reduced to a quarter of a point in March of 2020 when COVID hit. And, uh, and some economists feel that the, the current trending of inflation will persist for at least six months. Now, when I, when I read something like that, where my mind goes is at least, at least <laughs> six months. <laughs> and I think they're just, you know, we're being fed a little bit at a time in some respects. If the prediction of six uh, months uh, or six increases comes to fruition, as I mentioned, then that could bring the bank rate up to 1.75. And, and uh, this, of course, in turn, increases the cost of borrowing in an already overextended environment. So many express the concern that, that raising rates too much too soon could trigger an economic downturn at a crucial time in the, in the COVID-19 battle. So we really have to look at uh, I mean, the Bank of Canada has a really difficult job right now because they have to, to look at the balance, the balance between increasing interest rates, which we need to do to ward off the, the inflation growth that we're experiencing. But if it's too much too soon, then again, that, that could dramatically affect uh, a lot of individuals, a lot of companies uh, who, who have debt. So it's a it's a very very they they almost surgically have to try and 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 do this in a way that that is going to minimize uh, any ill effects. Um, you know, families are already stretched by mortgage payments and and have to deal with uh, you know they'll have to deal with higher payments. Those that are renewing, it's already hard enough for young people to get into the market. Um, so you know we'll just have to see what what happens. Um, you know, companies are. Uh, Wage increases are are being reported. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would say, "Well, not me. It's not happening to me." <laughs> but uh, certainly, that's that's something that uh, that companies are saying, at least that they're going they're going to do. Um, even if if interest rates are are increased, demand should respond accordingly. And but we are we're still faced with the, these supply chain issues. And uh, which is working, uh, you know, against the, the the current levels of demand. I read an article uh, just this morning, actually, uh, about China, and uh, and why the article expressed why it is felt that we're going to experience these these supply chain issues for quite some time, simply because 
China is shutting down cities at a time because of COVID. So uh, it's really difficult to, to, for us, for anybody to project how long that's going to be uh, an issue. If the economy continues to, to heat up, inflation continues and the, the stimulus is removed, which is which the Bank of Canada is saying will happen, uh, you know, th- then, then they have some added challenges and uh, later this year and into 2023. So we'll see the uh, we'll see the conflicting forces at work. Uh, I'm afraid, in terms of the, as I said earlier, the degree of interest rate increases versus the amount of debt that's outstanding out there. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Gary Hogan and Don Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net, or you can call IG Private Wealth Management at 905. 905- 972-7420. Going to take another break here, a quick one, and we're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Gary Hogan are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. You've got the secrets to a happy retirement. What are they? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, in the backdrop of what Gary was just mentioning, you know, inflation, interest rates rising, that's not you know, it, it may sound bad, but for a lot of people, that's actually a good thing. It depends on which end of the spectrum you're on. Can you take it? Uh, can you make this an opportunity for you? How can your financial advisor navigate your plan to take, to, you know, to make the best use of these situations? And that's really what it's all about. Now, when you finally get to retirement, what are those secrets? And this is a pre-COVID study. So I'll address that right off the bat because it might have changed a little bit. And, uh, but, uh, you know, how can people not be happy? You know, they don't have to commute anymore. They don't have to, you know, have a bad boss or, you know, they can do basically what they want. They, you, you want to wake up and do whatever. That's a great thing. Now, it seems to be there seems to be a magic formula to this. And it turns out it wasn't who was the richest. You know, there's, there seems to be a diminishing return. Once you are able to get to a certain level of lifestyle, did an extra million dollars make a difference? Okay, likely not. It turns out that uh, happy retirees use this as a tool for happiness. And so, yeah, yes, you do need money. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you don't need it. It's just the amount of it did not make that much difference of how happy you were. It turned out that the number one way to, to make you a little happier at retirement was not to have a mortgage and have consumer debt. And going to what Gary just mentioned, you, know, you don't have to worry about interest rates rising if you don't have debt. In fact, if interest rates rise, perhaps your fixed income investments would yeah. actually go up. So it's actually, a, it could be a good thing if you retired with no debt. Um, so that was number one. Uh, number two, um, they stayed in their house that they purchased while working and uh, they didn't move. They just they stayed in the same home. They had the same neighbors. They had the same church. They had the same people. They were very, they knew a lot of friends in the neighborhood. The ones that moved out and so-called right-sized themselves they turned out a lot of them end up doing a lot of renovations, making big purchases. Turned out they end up in debt and they end up having to dip into the retirement savings, which added to their unhappiness. Uh, number three, and this is interesting again, watch this is pre COVID, the number of vacations you had. And if you had two or three vacations per year, 
you're substantially happier than people that had one or less. So going on vacation does matter. So those commercials you see on a sailboat or on a beach or at a golf course uh, somewhere in the Caribbean, yes, they were definitely happier. Um, interesting enough, they're not lavish spenders. So the, the happiest people just didn't, you know, they, they were basically middle-class spenders. When they bought a car, clothing and trips, those type of things, they weren't going to the, the most expensive trips they could. They were still careful with their money and they had a great time. In fact, weirdly enough, you're actually more unhappy if you were buying those status symbols. You, and the most popular one was a BMW, as it turns out, and they were not happier. Even though they retired, got their BMW, and it turns out they were not as happy as the ones that just bought sites. So, you know, so-called middle-class purchases. Don, we both, very quickly, we, we've both understood, uh, long since understood, that you can't judge a book by its cover, right? In terms Absolutely. of some of those things. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it all looks good. But at the end of the day, happiness is not just based on assets. Um, and money does make you, can add to your happiness because you get to do things. You get to take two or three vacations. But uh, the, the other one, uh, personal hobbies. You know, this was a very key point. The happiest had four to seven hobbies wow. to, to, have a, to have a happy retirement. So it wasn't simply they're on one ho hobby. In fact, the unhappy people had less than three hobbies. And I, I, I look at, I'm a golfer. I like to golf. And I've seen a lot of retirees and I know some of these people, that's their only hobby. <laughs> and they end up taking it so serious. Like they're going to be on the PGA and they're, they're the F bombs are out there. Everything's going on. Right. <laughs> and everybody at golf understands this is why is this so serious? And at the end of the day, it's not, it's, it, you didn't make a living. This is fun. And finally, the happiest had multiple sources of income. They had three to five sources of income and most had financial advisors helping them. The unhappy people were do-it-yourselfers. And I mean, this is not just me writing this. I wish I did write this because it seems like right for Ali. Um, but yes, they were do-it-yourselfers. They day traded. They relied on only one or two sources of income. And they had little planning before they retired. In fact, most people didn't plan their retirement until less than five years of their retirement. So yes, um, they, they kind of just, you can't just, grind it at the end and hope that you're going to be happy. This is a lifelong thing. And this is why we like to start to talk to clients well before they retire to work on their retirement plan. Yeah. Just listening to those things, Don, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned about uh, planning far in advance and uh, we know how critical that is, but, but you're right. So many people uh, might reach out to us just, you know, a few years away from retirement, which uh, it makes it far more difficult. Which is why we're planning your financial future right now. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox has been here, as well as Gary Hogan from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net, or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Thank you, gentlemen. Another great show. Have a great week. You too, Thank Scott. You, Scott. Thanks, Gary. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.